are listening to Radio Maria and this is Father Toby with your word for today. And I want us to reflect today on Sunday's gospel, which is taken from the opening chapter of Mark. Jesus and his disciples went as far as Capernaum. And as soon as the Sabbath came, he went to the synagogue and began to teach. And his teaching made a deep impression on them because, unlike the scribes, he taught them with authority. In their synagogue just then there was a man possessed by an unclean spirit, and it shouted, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus said sharply, Be quiet, come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw the man into convulsions and with a loud cry went out of him. The people were so astonished that they started asking each other what it all meant. Here is a teaching that is new, they said, and with authority behind it. He gives orders even to unclean spirits and they obey him. And his reputation rapidly spread everywhere through all the surrounding Galilean countryside. I remember some years ago setting up my tent in a field in Walsingham where I was staying for the Youth 2000 Festival. As I was enjoying that special sort of satisfaction that comes to a man of surveying a campsite where others who had begun before you are still struggling to put their tents up, a hint of Christian charity started to well up in me. And so it was that I was wondering whether to go and ask the Franciscans nearby if they wanted any help. I didn't go immediately, as Christian Charity had not yet fully wiped the smug grin off my face, and I was waiting for this to happen before walking over. Whilst I was still standing there, grin dissipating, a little boy came up to me and asked if he could have my rosary, the big rosary I wear on my belt. And this took me off guard, as he'd approached, I'd been expecting a blessing request. And I think I tried to tell him that what he was asking me was a little like asking a soldier for his sword, that the rosary is not a Dominican decoration, but an essential part of our uniform and something we use every day. And I told him I was sorry, but I didn't have a spare. Incidentally, when I go hiking now or on other pilgrimages or to youth festivals, I take spare rosaries. But now, though, the smugness had gone, and I just felt a little bit tight. And this was made worse when the Franciscan came over and asked the boy would he like a miraculous medal of Mary, as he'd brought a bag of them along with him to give away. Drat to those ever-thoughtful Franciscans. I could now see that this little boy was going to think Franciscans were much cooler than Dominicans, and this was not good for my ego or the little boy's life chances. The little boy eagerly said yes to the Franciscan offer of a medal, and then asked if he could also have one for his sister. Now the Franciscan, who actually I know well studied with and like and respect a great deal, Franciscan and I were both very impressed by his consideration for his little sister. Although a little reassessment of this was necessary, when after he took it, we heard him say as he gave it to her, Here, the priest said you're to have this because you're evil. And this story came to mind as I've been thinking about the use of the word evil of late. You don't hear it as much. 
Just yesterday, as deepfake images of Taylor Swift had been viewed over 47 million times in a very, very short period of time, President Joe Biden described it as worrying. But it's not just worrying, it's evil. Now, Friedrich Nietzsche, the German philosopher, as you might have heard me say before, hated Christian morality. And in particular, he hated the, the fact that it had replaced talk of good and bad with talk of good and evil. Nietzsche thought that the good was simply what we willed and the bad was what we did not will. If I want it to happen and it happens, it's good. If I don't want it to happen and it happens, it is bad. And this is what he called master morality. And in relation to any given action, such morality is completely subjective. He thought Christianity, with its talk of good and evil, rather than simply good and bad, had introduced a slave morality. He hated how Christianity had a concern for the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed. He hated that it taught the equal dignity of all men and women. He thought this made all of us weak. Christianity, he thought, had tried to make the powerful every bit as weak as the weak, and by making them feel guilty. And with its talk of evil rather than simply bad, he thought Christianity introduced an idea of objective morality. The good was no longer simply what I willed. For Christians, even though I will it, it might not be good. It can still be evil. Good and evil stand outside of what I want in any given moment. I am no longer the master of morality. Nietzsche thinks I've been made a slave. Now, hopefully the idea that there is no such thing as good and evil, only good and bad, strikes most of us listening to this as crazy. But Nietzsche seems to have been winning the day outside of the church. In fact, I had a look on a website to see the frequency of use of the word evil. And from the early 19th century until 1980, the use of the word in books and publications massively plummeted. And I think it's in part because of this that in the early 1990s, St. John Paul II, seeing a crisis of morality in and outside of the church, felt compelled to publish an incredibly important encyclical, Veritatis Splendor, The Splendor of Truth, in which he defended the idea of good and evil, and especially the idea that there are some acts that, irrespective of whatever good intentions we might do them with, are inherently evil. They can be done for the best will in the world, but evil is still evil. This is the very opposite of Nietzsche. Context, let alone my will, cannot make what is evil good. Now, why all this talk of evil? Well, because today's gospel features an evil which we don't like to talk about much today. Demons. And I think this is a big problem, because if demons exist, they don't cease to exist just because we do not choose to think about them or talk about them. The Gospels are full of accounts of demons and of exorcisms. And it's also clear, even from the Gospels themselves, that demons cannot just be dismissed as an ignorant age's way of understanding illness. First, because Jewish society most certainly was not ignorant, 
And second, because in some scenes in the gospel, it speaks about Jesus curing some people of illnesses and of exercising others. The Jewish witnesses to the gospels do not simply equate all illness with demons or with sin for that matter. And for us as Christians, we cannot say, I do not believe in the demons that I cannot see, because we also believe in the God who we cannot see. And when we recite the creed at mass, we profess our belief in God, maker of all things visible and invisible. C.S. Lewis said that there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the devils, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. I think our age has gone both ways. Those who live by science alone deny them, and those who have fallen into idolatry and the occult and the new age have an unhealthy obsession. But it's the denial that is my primary focus today. When we deny the existence of demons, we can go one of two ways. First, we can also deny the very idea of evil. We can be like Nietzsche, and many have done this. There is my truth and your truth, my will and your will. And there is no battle between good and evil, simply a battle of wills. The will to power is what will see me triumph over you. Or second, we can still affirm that there is evil, but we are left looking elsewhere for where the impulse to do evil might come from. And the scary thing is that when we start to do this, we think perhaps that the source of evil is within us, or more likely, in someone else. When we get rid of demons, we don't really get rid of demons. We just start to demonize other people. And we can see so much of that going on in contemporary society. We lack empathy for those who do evil things, unable to comprehend how anyone other than ourselves could do that which is wrong. And where we should be looking to drive out the demons, where we should be looking to help the person battle their demons, we end up looking to simply drive out the other person. Now in Mark's gospel more than any other, we see right from the outset that Jesus is engaged in a cosmic battle. And he has not come to do battle with other people. Yes, he will argue with Pharisees and Sadducees, but his battle, that is with the forces of evil. And if we deny this cosmic battle, we will simply lose it or fight the wrong people. People may do evil things, but people are never evil. Our battle is not with other people however repellent their ideas and actions. They can always be saved. Our battle is with the demons who cannot be saved, but will seek in their pride to badger and to coerce me and others into sharing in their damnation. Now an important but quick clarification. I am not saying that if you feel an urge to do anything evil, you are possessed. That would make most of us possessed and we're not. 
But when thoughts enter into our heads that we do not want, that bear no relation to the way that we think about the world, it can be a reminder that there are hidden forces in this world that do not want the best for me or you. And that should be a reminder to say to them, get away from me, Satan, and also to pray to the angels, especially your guardian angel who does want the best for you and to whom you have been entrusted by God. And on a really practical note, to help you better live in the reality of the cosmic battle into which we are born, I want to make what might seem initially a bizarre recommendation. I want to recommend to all of you, and especially the parents, that if you don't already, you read plenty of fairy tales. Children have a sense that evil exists in the world. It's why they instinctively fear separation from their parents. It's why they dream bad things, or like in the old John Smith's advert, fear the monsters in the cupboard. If you haven't watched that advert, go onto YouTube and put John Smith's monsters in the cupboard. It's with Peter Kay and it's an absolute classic. But it's because children have an innate sense of evil forces that fairy tales are not just entertainment, but are crucial. Fairy tales take seriously the reality of evil forces in the world and then make them visible in the form of dragons and trolls and various other beasts. As G.K. Chesterton observed, fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children the dragons can be killed. Fairy tales both give hope to children and they also inspire them. They inspire them to actively choose to do good and to fight against evil. They show how the heroic impulse in the child can be turned into action. And that's something which can be all too easily lost in adolescence and adulthood. We become complacent and lose our zeal, or we simply forget that there is a cosmic battle that needs us in it after all. The fairy tales, in fact, can often do the adults doing the reading more good than the kids. But we have to pick good fairy tales. And I would especially recommend George MacDonald. The writer Michael O'Brien, whose novels I enjoy a great deal, has commented on a certain modern fairy tale, which following the trend of not wanting to call anyone or anything evil, ends up suggesting that what the dragon really needed was therapy. Now, humans might need therapy, but not dragons, which are archetypes for the demonic, and especially for the demonic drives of envy and greed. These are never good. They're not to be bargained with. They have to be slain. And the good news of today's gospel is that the fight against the demons and the powers of evil does not depend upon us alone. If we choose the fight against the powers of evil, then we have Christ on our side, the one who has authority over all things in heaven and on earth.
This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.